Welcome to the Yellow Pill Podcast. My name is Wale. And my name is Toby. Each week, we take on familiar dilemmas and wicked problems that we all face. On the Yellow Pill, you can expect intimate conversations and provocative questions that can change the way you experience the world. So, shall we begin? In this episode, we start on with a friend of ours called Sydney to talk about atheism. Now, Sydney is an agnostic atheist and been a friend of mine for over a year now. He spoke about him being an agnostic atheist specifically and just his beliefs around God, religion and meaning. This conversation was one that we wanted to have because one, as we always try to do, to learn from others who are different from us in some way. Also to demonstrate that such conversations at boundaries of people of different beliefs can be possible. Sydney is a PhD student in organic chemistry studying in Uppsala University in Sweden. He grew up in Kenya, made his way to England for his master's and now he's studying his PhD in Sweden. He's a great guy, smart mind. Hope you enjoy it. Cheers. Um, no, honestly, welcome, bro. It's, it's good to have you on. I think, I think when I thought about this uh, conversation to be had, you know, when Toby and I spoke about trying to talk, have topics this season that might be a bit more unsafe, it was things like this that we thought about. You know, conversations where we could bring people at boundaries together, right? And boundaries of religion is probably what we're talking about today. And yeah. I've seen and heard instances where you're talking to somebody and Toby, I don't know whether I can relate to this, where you're talking to somebody and then maybe they meet somebody who is maybe a different religion, or maybe even somebody who is an atheist. And then they're like, oh yeah, no, we can't talk to that to that guy or that girl. Right? Because they don't believe in what we believe in. So it means that there is no form of conversation even gonna be had between those two people. And it's also funny because a friend of mine, um, a friend of mine was seeing this guy as well. And that was interesting because he was a Christian when he started dating. And then he then became an atheist. Um, like during during their during the course of their dating period. And that's when I realized how deep this thing was. This was like three years ago, I'm talking. This 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 idea of religion forming, being part of who we actually are, and being part of who we are as people, part of who we are as, you know, a girlfriend or a boyfriend or a friend or a family member, it's so core to who we are, right? And and when something is so core to who you who you are, it's when you have a debate about it, you might feel like, oh, well. If I don't make a point properly, well, then maybe I'm not who I said I was, right? But if I don't make, if I, if I don't argue for for my belief enough, then I've let I've let everyone down. But let me just start by saying, for everyone listening, um, we're going to talk about about the atheists and the religious. Um, I won't use the word debate, conversation, and based on what we're going to say. I think there's points, there's definitely things we're not going to agree on for sure. And there's things that we're going to agree on at some point, right? And I'm going to just start by saying, I don't expect anyone to walk out of this chat like with a brand new head. <laughs> like, yo, <laughs> you know, I don't expect that, right? Yeah. What, what I expect is for, is for us to walk out of here understanding how each of us have found our way to this present state 
from our origins and our experiences and to demonstrate that this conversation is possible regardless of where your realm is, right? Regardless of where your realm is. So let me just start by asking you, like, Sydney, um, when, when we first had the chat about, about atheism, you know, I think the first thing you did was correct me and say that you're an agnostic atheist. And I was yeah. like, oh, okay. Uh, let me quickly do a Google search on that. <laughs> Before I actually yeah, knew, true, true. knew what that was. So just clarify what that is, what that means to you, to everyone listening, and just let us know what that means to you as a person. And yeah, just, 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 let's, let's just start there. Okay, yeah. So yeah, you're actually right that I say that I'm an agnostic atheist. And mainly because agnosticism is the idea that you have a particular set of information that is leading you to make a decision. However, you did not fully understand everything. So the decision you're making is at that point is not like entirely 100%. So for me to be an atheist is because you're saying, okay, fine, I don't believe what I've been told so far. I mean, the narratives don't add up. And it's not because I have all the full information to say, fine, I've, I've like I examined all the evidence and all the information and then come to a conclusion. Because to go out bold enough to say either you're a full believer or atheist, that means that you have everything that you need and I think that's usually one of the um, one of the things that I tell myself because at no point do you have a hundred percent information, so you're agnostic yeah. to some extent, whether you like it or not, because you always get new information to fill up from where you are before, and so I don't believe because I have not full information, but it doesn't mean that my belief is either right or wrong. Mm. So you're coming from the point of view that there are certain information gaps that you've had or you have, and and because you don't have the full information, you feel like you can't conclude on certain things, right? So it's, it's yeah. yeah, so there's, there's obviously a scientific realm, scientific, uh, what's the word? Idea behind that. But before, and, and before we come back to that, are there any other types of atheists though, like besides agnostics? Because I don't really, to be honest, I know I should, I've kept counts, but I don't really keep counts. So beyond agnostics, are, are there... Are there, are, there, are, there, are there other types? Because I know, <laughs> I know, I know the, the subcultures or subdivisions began fairly recently. Everybody said that mean a couple of few decades. But like, what are the other well, um, sub, subdivisions? I wouldn't really know that much in detail because then in my own, um, I'm just looking at myself from my own perspective and I'm trying to identify as a group of people. So, um, however, I've come across very many people who identify differently, and you might be surprised that there's also something called agnostic theism, which is what like I'm just trying to refer. Like, you have these set of beliefs, but it's not like hundred percent. But you choose to because you're afraid of what happens if I don't. Mm. Um, apart from atheism, agnosticism, and theism, I don't think I know of any other like subclass. Yeah. You know, what's interesting about, you know, these labels and everything is, I guess, it's our tendency of, as humans to try to make everything sort of like exclusive or like just complete in and of itself and not featuring parts of other things, right? And I guess, you know, having the word, you know, agnostic atheism in front of it is also to try and balance that act that, like you said, 
I don't have 100% awareness of this. But even if we move away from, say, conversations around belief systems, when you're talking to, say, a Democrat or a Republican, there's almost this tendency to say that if you identify as one thing, then you stand against every other thing the other party solely represents. But the truth of the matter is there's, there's a lot of overlap even with political ideas. And that overlap does exist when it comes to conversations outside of politics as well. But I just... Mm. When it comes to labels, like we, we like to label things, right? Because it makes it easier to identify stuff. But, you know, I think labels, when you try to make them represent more than they represent is when we fall into this whole thing where there's groups and groups of subcultures and subcultures. But like when you look at the cultures themselves, there's a lot of overlap, but they don't see themselves as the same because we're labeled differently. I just wanted mm. to like throw that in there. Because as he was talking about, you know, the fact that, you know, maybe there's like three main or maybe these are the main ones but you've discovered that even like again some people might have secluded themselves into a different subclass based on the set of rules and beliefs that they identify with and we don't yet know them because they're not mainstream so maybe the key word here is like what are the mainstream mm. sort of like belief systems that are currently making their way around the world today mm. i mean for sure like atheism is definitely a big umbrella you know and mm. you know as as Sidney just said you know there's even agnostic theist yeah. but not to stray off too much, um, because again, I think there's a lot. Of, there's a big umbrella, right? And there's probably other categories that might be able to come to fray. But I'm curious, mm -hmm. like, so Sydney, for you, when was the point, like, like growing up? So you grew up in Kenya, as you said, right? Were you and, yes. and did you grew up in a religious home, or was it a non-religious home? Religious home. Um, no, I was a religious home from my grandmother down to. The last of us so they still are very religious like they would you know now with the covid they still have sunday services with my grandma and the rest and they do that on their own so they're quite religious people and that was how i grew up definitely mm. but for me it was i've always been very different anyway because of how i've grown up just being not accepting what is given to me as it should be like. I would question a lot of things. And um, I questioned from, from young and I was thinking all this time, like, wait, these things don't make sense to me. Like all the suffering, everything that you would put or was a particular kind of, um, so when religion sells it to you, it's that everything is under control. And I, I saw a lot of things which are not under control. And that's one of the triggers for me. Like, wait, there's something not adding up with this entire story. But then it's really hard to break from that kind of, you've grown up in this kind of home. Yeah. And if I, if I may quote that, um, if you know how cognitive development happens in children, for instance, the first two years, they don't know like most of the things that are happening around them. They're just trying to understand their sense. And so by the time they develop, they are like four stages by Jean Piaget, if I remember, if that's the name correct. Yeah, Piaget. And yeah. he's speaking about, yeah. And the fourth in the first stage, 11 years and older is when they can now start having like rational decisions yeah. and, you know, getting logical arguments and understanding how things are. So you can imagine if being brought up and being fed these as your base for everything, this has been your background, your base, that's where your roots come from, that there is a God, you pray every day and you do it daily, you know, morning, evening, lunchtime, it was really hard to move from that perspective. So it was hard for me to accept that while I was still young. So like 13, 14 years, I was still thinking, wait, am I making the right decision? 
Mm. So by, by the time I was like 18 is when I was full on like, well, I'm just going to have to go my way here and I'll mm. see what happens in the future. Mm. I was still like, go become a, like 80s and then back to this one because it, it's a very, it's a struggle. <laughs> it's, it's a struggle. It's kind of like breaking from addiction. Would... Yeah. So like, do your, do, does your family know the, your, your position, religious position? Uh... Sadly, <laughs> what does so sadly mean, bro? <laughs> so, um, it's it's one of the sensitive areas, and we've had a lot of conversations. So, with my agents, and that would be my cousins and the rest of them, it's it's I've been very open and honest with them. Like, this is not a big system that I trust in, but I guess it's been different with my kind of like older family relatives. members. So, yeah. like, yeah, parents and uncles, aunties, and even grandparents. Because then mm. um, sometimes it's a bit hard because these are things that can exist without you having to let them know. And if you let them know, you're not sure what kind of reaction you're going to get from them. Mm. Right. However, right. they kind of know because they tell from how I behave. It's only that we've never addressed it as an issue. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. I think even, I mean, I, I don't know if all, uh, I'm not saying all African parents are the same, but some of them just, just don't want to face that that conversation. Um, but it's interesting though because you mentioned that you grew up in a religious home and mm. you know and you started to question things you were told those question things when you were younger and just some things you're just not adding up to you right I think one of the things that we often hear um, from even even believers as well non-believers and believers is if there's a God for example why is this happening I think I, I, I think that's a classic um, question for people who you know are non-religious but toby like did you grow mm. up in a religious home for you yeah um yeah pretty much pretty much a very religious home as well um but the, this I, I think the question phase of questioning stuff particularly with those of us who tend to be very curious and exposed to a lot more i think it's a phase that we you know, tend to all go to, but we all kind of like come out of it in different forms. Like some come out with like this assurance that, okay, like maybe there's some things I don't know, but this element of faith has formed a part of who I am. And it's a thing that I'm going to keep carrying. And so for some other people, that isn't sufficient enough, right? Um, and, you know, they seek other forms of, of answers in that sense. But to answer your question directly, yes, I did grow up in a religious home. And I would not deny that that had a big impact on sort of like my faith journey as a person. But you know what, is, what I find problematic? Maybe the story is problematic, but here's, here's a point to you guys. Um, so, you know... You grew up. You grew up in a home or an environment, right? Neighborhood home, whatever it is, right? Yeah. And Sydney used the word of development, child development, right? And as a child, you're absorbing, you're absorbing stuff every time, right? So everybody's your teacher. Everybody's your meeting, your teacher, your auntie, your driver, the laundryman, your neighbor, your dad, mom, obviously, your teacher in school. Everybody's teaching you something, mm. right? Because when you make mistakes, you're punished. When when, 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 when you make a mistake in spelling or in actions or in moral or in respect, somebody corrects you. So pretty much your environment is your teacher. In this idea of all of us getting to a phase where we question things, right? Let's, let's imagine now that you grew up in a home where you're religious, where the home is religious, and then, you know, you get to, let's say, age 14. You begin to develop some level of cognitive sharpness. And then someone says, oh, well, um, 
when God made man in 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 on the seventh, sorry, on the sixth day, um, X Y Z happened, right? And as a thirteen year old, you, you use your you know sense of physics and chemistry to understand some of those things. You're like, okay, how does that happen, right? You have questions. Now I think sometimes we forget that the questions that we have as kids are normal, or as young people growing up are normal, right? But the idea of teacher here I'm bringing to this point is, I think the, the teacher that you, that you have at that age kind of determines what answers you take on from those questions, right? Because for you, Toby, if you had questions about existence, about why is, why is the bad thing happening here, or, or if, if God loves me, why don't I get a gift on Christmas, whatever, things, just things that kids will ask, right? There's a way you ask that to you, let's say, somebody at home that will respond to you in a way that either takes you nearer or yeah. takes you further, right? For sure. So in that idea of teachers, like, Sydney, do you think, looking back now at your childhood growing up, you know, do you think it was a case of you were forced into religion or you were taught about religion and, and your questions emerge out of you learning or you being forced? I don't know if I don't know what I'm trying to say um makes sense. Makes sense. I mean it does make sense. And the idea that the teachers you have around you determine simply because if you grow up in a place like Africa, for instance, you're most likely to be either Muslim or Christian. If you grow up in Arab countries, you'd be most likely be a Muslim. And then those are just some of the things that the environment around you will determine how yeah. you grow. And I guess to a, to an extent, even the individual's mind so to say that um different people um question differently mm-hmm. and how you as a person will also determine how you other some of us are more brave and courageous to venture into the things that are seen as taboo and some of us are not very experimental so as uh, toby had said before you question but yet like well how far can i go and we all come up with different ideas in the end mm. So it's more of who has the courage to pursue some of the things that look like they are taboo. So my environment was really good. Like I wasn't forced to do anything. I mean, of course, definitely going to church was, was one of the good things because it was Sunday school and you have your friends and you play. So it was something to look forward to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But all of it was very supportive for me. It's just, I think, how I am as a person, which led me to particular. So in those information gaps you mentioned earlier, what exactly, yeah. in your own view, are the gaps you find about religion or God specifically? Are the gaps that you find yeah. that are not adding up? Just for context. For instance, uh, for instance uh, one of them is the problem that you just mentioned. It's called the logic, uh, the problem of evil. Right. You know? And maybe it will come down to how you define evil. Is it just like pain and suffering? Is it something more like something, it's just a moral kind of, um, what would you call it? Like if you have something that's not morally correct and it actually denies someone their moral rights, is that now what you call evil? Mm. But if you break it down to the best line of evil being anything that is not inherent, like want to be good in the end for the person then. And to see that growing up, I grew up in the coastal part of Kenya. And um, so it's it's very funny because you have some of the really wealthy people and also some of the really poor people. 
these people always die of hunger and stuff. So, and I've grown up being in the middle of that. And you could see sometimes um, like lorries with the food and the water, mm. you know, and, and all this time, this is bringing different kind of ideas to your mind as you're thinking, well, um, what did I do to deserve to be this? How special am I and how not special are the others? You know, and for me, that problem of where the people who are just born into it, nobody asked for it. You know, born with like, for instance, chronic illnesses that you didn't even ask for. The first point you raised about um, the, ra- the randomness of terrible luck. You know, people being born into yeah. illnesses. I think that's something that Toby and I have spoken about in the last um, in the last season, particularly in the idea of purpose as well. You know, that how do we define purpose and how do we navigate that? But Toby, hearing that, like, we've spoken about this a lot of times about just the idea of, I think in the sense, let's just use the word evil or terrible luck, right? Or bad things happen to people. Yeah. The, or bad things happen to good people. The problem of evil, basically. Yeah. yeah. What are your thoughts yeah. on that? I mean, yeah. um, how how do you particularly orient yourself in that? Because I think I suspect everyone everybody has different different ways of resolving or yeah. trying to resolve it, right? Yeah. So the, the the problem of evil, like I think you know, like um, Sydney said, it depends on what you choose, like how you set the boundaries or define you know what good, what evil is, because that will determine like what approach you take, right? Because some people that use you know pain and suffering to define sort of like okay if 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 there was a god if you know that that is something you believe in why is there so much pain in the world if you say this person is so good right and when it comes to pain and suffering i think how my mind tries to resolve that and just based on stuff that i read and things like that is you know a lot of the quote-unquote good and yeah a lot of good that we see sometimes is born out of some level or some version of pain right like even when you look at the natural environment and things like that for diamonds to become diamond it's carbon that is seriously hard pressed like if you zoomed into the moment of diamond being formed right you would think like you think it's a destructive process or let's look at the process of a woman giving birth if you zoomed into that moment of the contraction and everything and couldn't maybe you didn't have an idea of what the end was you would think the birth process was basically like evil, right? Why are you causing so much pain? Mm. Um, so that's one way. Where, and that's obviously if we define evil as pain and suffering. Now, when it comes to, say, the moral side of things, like maybe a moral justification for things, I, I think the question I always try to ask myself is, you know, how do we reach a common consensus of of good or of something that is morally just, right? Because... You know, some people would say in our culture, this thing that we do is perfectly normal and perfectly right. But then somebody else that says they have a better view of what good is comes and says what you're doing is wrong. Right. So it's like at the end of the day, if we keep doing that relativism, who at the end of the day owns the one true truth that represents good? So because of that, I'm like, as much as we want to say, um, you know, I guess the question I just ask in return when it comes to the moral side of the conversation is that who defines what good is, right? And do we all agree to that standard? I haven't really found any other answers besides, you know, the one mm. that I currently believe in, right? So it's just it's just a thing of, okay, if we do, if we all agree that there isn't a God, isn't a higher power, it's like, okay, how are we all guided morally, right? The people that wrote laws into constitution, like what brought about that sense of this is what is right and so we're going to do it. So it's like, Struggling to answer that question as well is another kind of question that I guess someone who chooses to believe in God and believes there is a God will be like, okay, because I don't understand this other part of it, this is what I believe in as well. But just, I think 
based on the question you asked, that's how I resolve that sort of like question, how I tend to look at it. You know, I always, I always ask myself this, you know, and maybe you guys can chip in. There is obviously a synonymous element of morality and religion, right? I mean, it's obvious that you should not kill another man. How is obvious? Why is it, I don't know. No, like, no, why is it obvious is also like... <laughs> no, no, okay. by, by obvious, I mean... By obvious, I mean... Nobody just... Nobody will just want to go and kill somebody else. It doesn't feel right, yeah. It doesn't Even feel you do right. It, like, Even if you do yeah. it. Even if you're not told the religion. No, so, so, so I'm saying... Mm, so, bro, mm. people yeah. do it without blinking twice. Yes. But yeah. on an average sense, right, it doesn't feel right. Let me give another example. Mm-hmm. You can pick the worst liar, the worst cheater, the most terrible human being in the world, right? Mm. If that person has a kid, when the kid is two, the kid lies to them, the person will be hurt. Right, and what that tells me is, even if they exhibit those immoral things, they know what there's. There's a sense of what good is in there. Yeah, essentially, you're saying like whatever evil acts or whatever, it's a distortion from, I guess, the mean or the norm, right? So what? any distortion. Sorry, your words have killed so me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, you know, you, you said you said averagely, right? Like, you know, you know, we all averagely believe something is good, and so like, no, no, if you distort. No, no. So again, this is not about belief. I don't want to use the word belief because belief word, I can't explain it there in that sense. Okay. I'm saying this is more of a intrinsic, maybe gut feel. Semantics, but go on. Uh, you think it's inherent? So. Because, 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 because belief is two things. If you say belief, do you believe it because you say it or because you act it out? Right? So nobody mm. can really answer that question of, okay, I say, okay, I believe in, I believe in, in snow. <laughs> yeah, okay, fair enough, right? You, that's one layer of belief. I believe people who, probably don't hold doors for women are uh, XYZ. Right? I can believe that based on my experience of seeing that. But I could just believe something because of any any other reason, but I mean not have any, any evidence for it. Right. So Fair. belief itself is is so many layers. So which is why I don't use that word. Okay. But Carry my, on. my point not to make this so so high on meth kind of conversation <laughs> is Somebody mentioned morality there. And I think I just want to know whether you, what do you guys think? So is morality a function of religion? Because, because he, here's my point, because I think I've read studies, not studies, I've, 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 I've seen like expert thinkers talk about the fact that they, they've traced religion to even cavemen, to homo erectus, right? Of some sort. Mm. Right, maybe not the maybe they couldn't trace what exactly they 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 believed in, mm-hmm. but there were elements of religion there, mm. right? And this is as far back as long time ago on Earth. So there has to be something that we can say, you know, what makes us know when we should feel bad for somebody or feel good about something. 
those things that I feel like science cannot explain. And where does that come from? Some might say, okay, society taught you that. But I don't think so because I think it's been proven that even a kid, as Sydney said, in the kid who is still in Piaget's second layer of development, right? Yes, two years old, can understand what is good and what's bad. Even, even, even dogs. Well, um, to, to, well, I have some points I would like to address from Toby's as well. But yeah, go for it, bro. Answer. Um, so, for instance, one of the, I'll start with yours before I go back to Chipping. Hmm. You could think of it as this one social experiment where they say, imagine that you have someone, just a newborn child, and then you put them on an island where they do not have access to other communities and human interactions. How do you think they'll turn out to be? in our moral scale. Do you think that they'll grow up to think, you know, the same way that we think? As you say, is morality inherent or is something that you acquire from your environment? Or, you know, that's things that we can know for you. So, well, it's a social experiment. It's just like a thought experiment Yeah. in the end. But we can try think from there, like, without outside influence, do you think that there'll be a good person that's on our societal agreements of what morality is? I think so. So okay. my, my argument to that is, or I not no arguments, but the way I'm thinking about it is that morality usually comes into place once there's community, right? Because if you're the only human being, you're the only version of yourself or species of yourself that exists, it's hard to define what's good or morally bad because every other thing can be attributed to you trying to survive. If you kill an animal to eat, you can't say it's bad because I'm killing for food, right? So I'm saying if, the, if it was a baby that grew up in an island alone without any other human beings, I don't think morality would be... I guess the way we define morality these days, I don't think that would be, a, I guess, subject for conversation in that sense. But again, thought experiments, the idea is, okay, you know, what, what exactly would, would the end results be? Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think with the... Yeah, I think on, so, because... You think what? What do you think so? Because I, I, think, I think a human being raised in an island alone would develop some level of morality still. But obviously, your point is valid, Toby, because they can only demonstrate their morality when they meet some, something else. Mm. Right, you can't, you can't, mm. you can't demonstrate morality on your own. But mm. let's say they, they they live on the island up to thirty, and then put Th- them in thirty society. years old is enough to have formed whatever you want to form. Oh, principles right. are formed, yes. Yeah, and and just and just inject you into Lagos. Boom, go to Lagos. Right, wild place to start your life. You see yellow buses. You see people run up and down. Like you go into Lagos. When you are in that shock, <laughs> again, this is a thought experiment, right? When you are in that shock. Yeah. If you see, if the first thing you see in Lagos or second thing you see in Lagos is, is somebody beating somebody else on the floor, and you can see blood coming coming out of their faces, I don't think you just look away because you have nothing that that you've experienced before, right? It's the same way. It's the same way. It's the same way. Even if you're on that island still, right? Yeah. So you're on that island still, just you. Mm. If you see let's say three, if you see an eagle, right, trying to poach the eggs of, of, of a mother hen and the mother hen is struggling. Yeah. Do you think that person would help that hen or not? <laughs> do you know why it's tricky to answer this question? Because I feel <laughs> like we're also, we're kind of like projecting some of the consciousness we already have of what's good and evil. Fair yeah. enough. Oh, fair enough. Exactly. Fair enough. Fair enough. Exactly. Fair enough. Because, fair enough. because, but, 
but we can't maybe, escape it. We can't but escape maybe, that. But maybe the question is like, let, let's look at newborn babies and you know what is their, I guess what are their natural proclivities, right? Um, when a baby comes out, the first thing they do, I guess they feel pain because they breathe in air and then they start to cry. Um, but you can see, even say from that point, because when they when they start to cry they feel some sort of warmth because they put them close to the mother. And maybe that just reinforces the fact that if you cry, you get some kind of pacification. So maybe mm. even from the moment that they are born, there's already that. I don't think we can separate the fact that we are put into an environment and the environment will always sort of like be all of these catalysts for the different things that we feel. And environments could be you on an island with only animals and whatnot. The environments could be the social environment that you're in. But I think yeah. also as you grow, as, as Sydney has rightly said and demonstrated, I think you're exposed to a bit more things and people's core beliefs do change at some point. And how they change is, I guess, subject to, to, to questions and things like that. But with this problem of what, what happens, like if you leave, I, I really thought experiments, inconclusive answers, yeah. but I think then we're, we're naturally going to tend to think that the person is going to come out like right, not wrong in that sense. But let's move mm. on. I feel like we're not really going to... No, Sydney, uh, I think... <laughs> yeah, I think you, you wanted you're to... Going to... You're going to say something earlier, Sydney. You're going yeah. to continue to this point. Yeah, well, what exactly? Toby's point. Yo, uh, one of the, them was is pain. Um, necessary. Yeah, because yeah. I think one of the ideas was you say that pain is necessary for you to appreciate some of the good, like some good comes because there was pain before. Um, I, I I wouldn't necessarily paraphrase it as <laughs> no, I wouldn't necessarily paraphrase <laughs> it as necessary, right? But I'm just saying, yeah. like, if in the naturally observed world, right, you know. We, if you trace mm -hmm. any, any points where you see the way there's good, if you trace back the history, there's some level of anti-good there, depending on how you choose to define it, is what I'm trying to say. Not that it's yeah. necessary. Yeah. Yeah. And then one of the examples you get, for instance, is giving birth and the pain the mother feels. And yeah. that's a really good example, especially to support this kind of point that I wanted to make, because mm -hmm. in the end you realize that you can get injections that will help you not feel the pain of giving birth and it will still be a successful birth so Fair. you don't have to go into labor and feel pain to get a child like we can you don't yeah. can work through that through science yeah. yeah so there's ways that you can give birth without feeling really? the pain okay wait, but, yeah. wait, wait, <laughs> yeah. but, but before we no no wait but, but before we continue right it's so like you know i not feeling pain and pain not existing wouldn't you say they're different, different things? things yeah but that's really important because point. from a scientific point of view, pain is very necessary for survival because if you didn't feel yourself being burnt, you wouldn't, take you wouldn't survive the, yeah. you know, the fire. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Good point. But then when it comes to, that's kind of a survival thing. But now when it comes to morality, mm. then it's a different concept now. For to sure. To say that sure. should someone be, like should someone have a disease to appreciate eyesight <laughs> for instance? You know, it's fine to yeah, feel hungry because yeah, you know yeah. you need to eat to survive. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's not necessary to have a disease to appreciate health. Yeah, I definitely don't believe that. Yeah. I, I, and I agree <laughs> with you. I agree with you. I think that's why when you said, when you paraphrased it as necessary, I was like, eh, hold on a bit. Because even, because, <laughs> okay. yeah, because, you know, even within religion and things like that, there's certain thoughts that have permeated through the atmosphere and people seem to hold it as 
um, Bible truth when in reality it's a misinterpretation of, of what's going on or, you know, in our bid to understand, we find words and phrases and sentences and proverbs that try to rationalize things for us. And then that becomes the pillar for everything else, even though that itself is not correct. So, yeah, I don't think like pain is not necessary um to 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 feel any form of good right you don't need to suffer mm. um to to enjoy but i'm just saying like you know if you in a naturally observed environment everything isn't just like is it isn't binary is what i would say um that, that's yeah. what i'll say yeah so, so I, in this I, case, I, I just saw sokochev bro um but, yeah. I, but I just yeah. saw a study now from a book and it said that from a newborn child mm -hmm. you can experience a newborn child can express happiness Sadness, surprise, interest, disgust, anger, and fear. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's a book by Field. I, can't, I, don't, I, don't, know, I don't know his first name, but Field, yeah. 1990. Right. Yeah. So, which begged my question in the first place of, of, of intrinsic things, right? But let's, let me go back to your point of suffering in the world, right? Yeah. So, for you, Sydney, why do you think suffering happens? As from an atheist point of view, do you think it's running locked? Uh, the fault think... of the designer, I would think. It's kind the of designer. like an evolution. <laughs> yeah, designer? an evolution. That, that's, that's a new word I'm hearing. The today. designer in this case would be anything. For instance, whatever made life possible on us, hmm. whether it was through um catalytic uh, process that we became cells and evolved into this, or whether if you're religious and you believe it's a God who created you. Hmm. I, I don't want to put a label on it. That's why I'm calling it the designer. designer. But in whichever you, you prefer to. So in this case, in in a atheistic, um, agnostic atheistic point of view, the designer would be like how nature has been to us. That's how we've evolved to be, like genetically, we've evolved to be in a point of where human beings are not very strong as we believe. Mm. We are susceptible to viruses, bacteria, and other things. You know. Mm. Mm. And we tend not to live for very long. Also. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's, at it's... most you go eight years and you're down. That's if you're very lucky. Mm. <laughs> you know, yeah. and to say that, um, to live through that and not also suffer from diseases, that's just how weak we are as humans. I mean, the immune system does a good job and it tries to mm. I mean, fight all infections. But once at least or a couple of times, it falls. Yeah, yeah. Let me take it back a little bit. So you mentioned your, when you're talking about your upbringing, Sydney, you mentioned yeah. the fact that, you're talking about religion, you mentioned the fact that, I know you, you said this in person, but I, I took that more than a person statement. So you mentioned yeah. that your family still went to church during COVID. Still had their church. They met yeah, their yeah. church. Yeah, they had church in COVID. <laughs> and... Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, but what, what that meant to me was you trying to suggest that sometimes religion fosters irrationality. Not really. Not really? I think oh, religion, I'm wrong? Um, okay. so, I think religion is actually the opposite of rationality. Okay. For me. Let, let me then rephrase that. Yeah. So, in that, in that example... No, actually, just let me ask you, what did you mean by that example, pretty much? I, I think that's well, that was an example to answer how my family has been very religious in the point of they were not able to go to church, but now they've made their own church and, you know, kind of have the same feeling to feel like they're praising. Um, in this case, it would be our because they're Christians. Oh, oh, so what you meant was that they made their own church to continue uh, 
continue doing the COVID because the churches were closed and nobody. Right. Okay, that's what you COVID. meant. Okay, so no, so yes. I thought you meant that they went to church despite no, COVID no, happening. No, no. Okay, no. and 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 this is why I took that as as a statement of interest was because we did have in Nigeria. I think it was Oyedepo's uh, church. Oyedepo, um, Oyakudu, we were talking about at at some points during the peak of pandemic, talking about how pandemic is is i'm not sure what, what, what was the use so if you go mm. to this church i'm sorry but i'm paraphrasing <laughs> they pretty much just said the pandemic is not good for the church or it's against the church something like that i'm not sure what they said yeah. something like that right toby am i am i am i am i in line toby um yeah no there, there were those narratives going on um by pastors yeah, yeah by by certain pastors yes. okay okay um, so yeah. Okay. So, so when Sydney said that, that's what my mind went to. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And we then had people online at that point talking about that. That also led to lots of uh, religious uh, debates again. You know, where people who will say, "Oh well, um, this is why you know religion brainwashes people, right? Because you know there's something going on out there in the real world. Pandemic. Scientists, scientists have said this X Y Z. People are going to church." Right, yeah. risking lives, right? People said that. And then you had maybe a smaller fraction of people, tiny fraction probably, come out and say, well, um, you know, God, God gives us life. <laughs> you know, so we can, we should not be scared of, of, uh, of such pandemic, lockdown, a disease, whatever. Yeah. And I'm sorry, Toby. So during that period, right, as, as obviously you're a Christian, and so am I, by the way, for anyone listening. Um, <laughs> Just, just, just to clarify that, even the balang- yeah, yeah. I laugh because I laugh because I've gotten plenty of questions. You know, people just slide into my DMs like, "Is Wally a Christian?" Like, I've, I've gotten those questions. <laughs> <laughs> I've gotten those questions, but but carry on, carry on, carry um, on. So, when those when we had those, uh, yeah, spectrums of uh, again, sorry to the word rationality, but rationality towards mm-hmm. the pandemic and religion. Mm. What did you make of that? Right? Did did that make you think that, you know, you know, what do you make of that from the pastors who were saying that or from also a point of because I know you didn't go to church during that period. So Well, until until they opened back churches again. So like Yes, yeah, so like were, what was yeah. your own mini making process at, at that point? And what do you make of the pastors who were so so w- what I'll say with this is that like first of all religion and I guess organized religion, just to use that 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 phrase, is usually Easy quote and easy quote unquote easy in quotes targets for some of these things, but also I think when you re- look at what underlines religion, like the belief and putting people, gathering people together and you know mm. having one figure that everyone looks up to, I think it's a natural human response to seek that out, and a lot of people find it in religion. And so now, for me, I feel like this thing of you know rationality and people, then you know religion becoming like opium in that sense becoming a drug that people you know take and then become addicted to and they forget sometimes maybe they started it for a reason but in the process of getting quote unquote high off of religion you forget and you forget a lot of the reasons that brought you towards it then you start getting pulled into all these different things remember mm. when you were talking about cults and things like that where this guy gathered some people in a room and they all like drank something the, the yeah, Jim case, Jones Jim Jones yes exactly so you see cases like that and you know yes you can identify that as a religion but they weren't believing in any god they were believing in like this guy and his direct access to whatever he said he believed in so all, all that to say I feel that if it wasn't religion if it wasn't organized religion it would be something else 
um, when when you look at rednecks and you know, sorry to use that term, but like other people that congregate themselves and center on some kind of core of belief, um, it's easy for anyone who leads that group to misinform or kind of like get people to do stuff. So when it comes to religion, I feel like sometimes it's just the weapon in some people's hands that kind of like causes all of this confusion a lot of times. Mm. Okay, bro, I'll, I'll come back to that in like two seconds. Sydney, quick question yeah. for you. So what, yeah. when you meet women, do you have a filter in terms of beliefs? No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this is one of the apps for Sweden now. Most of Swedish people are kind of secular. So I mm. don't have to think so much about it. But it was kind of really hard, especially in Kenya. Because um, one thing, I mean, I, I don't know if this is the same for all Africa. Maybe you can confirm this for me. Um, when you're atheistic, you don't believe in a God. It, it looks as if you are a devil worshiper in this case. That's, that's going to be the equivalent. Like if I say I don't believe in a God, the one thing that the people around me in the community are going to think is, well, now he's a devil worshiper. You know, he's Illuminati. He's going to sacrifice us. That kind mm. of vibe is what you get. Mm. So the one thing you want to do is not tell ladies that this is who I am. <laughs> right. But moving to the UK, it was now different because now it's more like um more accepting society, you know. And now it's, it was okay for me to be like, yeah, I'm atheistic. And you, you mentioned the first time you met was in a church and that's because I told Shubo, me and Bolu that I was an atheist. And they're like, well, just come and see how you feel about it. I was like, well, what do I have to get into? It's like, there's free food. And that's why he came. All right, right, right. Uh, <laughs> which, 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 yeah. is, which is, which is fair with, for your student. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but then in Sweden, it's been very, very interesting because most people I've met, um, actually, irreligious. I would, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't say they have a label for that one. It's just like I don't believe in anything, and then that's fine. Few of mm. them are believers, but I don't mm. have that as the first thing that I'm talking. About. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Interesting. Yeah, I just, I, just, I just wanted to clarify that. Um, okay, Toby, back to your point. Mm-hmm. So when we spoke about faith and spirituality in the first season of 20s Convos, yeah. for those who have been there since day one, um, I think this came up in a, in a similar sense, right? Mm. In terms of, okay, as a Christian, what do you say to, what do you say when we have agents it just it just already sounds negative, but <laughs> when we have people right or religious leaders, right, yeah. who who make claims and and do things that that on the borderline of what science says, right? Let me never speak too vaguely. Let's just speak. Let's let's just speak, let's go directly to the point. For example, right, we had um, what's this guy's name? Chris, Pastor mm. Chris, right? Yeah. So Pastor Chris spoke a lot about COVID, right? And I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say my my comment on that. that, that, that that's not the point. But but he spoke a lot about spoke a lot about COVID and what he thought COVID was. Yeah. Right to his congregation. Yeah. And scientifically, you can call that misinformation. Mm. Right. And I don't know what his reasons for saying that. He truly could have believed that COVID was was whatever he believed COVID to be. Yeah. Right. I don't know. But when that happens, right? So if you find yourself in that kind of position, do you say that at that point, science should trump religion? Or, or, or when do... Is there, is there a point where we say 
science trump religion or is that a wrong question to ask um because i think i think particularly this last year has given us a good a good way to ask that question yeah because we we, we all saw many cases where even some pastors said that if that's that you know coming to church for example is 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 worse than 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 the uh, chances of getting covid for example right so is there a point where, as a believer, from your point of view, which, which is a tough question, mm. where science should trump religion? My problem with that is the false equivalence that that represents in the sense that, like, there are bad actors that are, you know, defying logic and any form of sense and then wrapping it around religion and some higher sense of spirituality and peddling that as, you know, this is the word from God, right? And I will, I refuse to identify that and use the label religion in the sense we're using it. I refuse to use that as the benchmark is what I'm saying, right? So in those cases, like those are the exceptions, right? Where at the end of the day, even as a believer, you're, there's, there's a lot of study that goes into the belief that you have. Yes, there's a basic level of faith that you have that forms the foundation, mm. but everything else on top of that is built through study. If you decide to not do that study and believe any single thing that you hear and just default because the person says I'm a Christian and everything they say, I need to take a hook, line, and sinker, then mm. it's a human problem, not a religion problem, right? Religion is just a tool that is being used in that case is how I'd look at it. So when all these things were going on, Mine was not like the church was the vehicle or, you know, religion was the vehicle that, you know, was being used to peddle some of that, but it was only one of the vehicles. And obviously in Africa, it's like the major one. Right. Um, but I still see, I think the fundamental problem is with us humans and how we tend to treat things versus, you know, oh, religion versus science. Right. That's why I mean by false equivalence in that sense. I might not be using that phrase correctly, but that's what I'm trying to portray here. Yeah. And or what do you think? think like. Yeah, Sydney, you 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 share thoughts on that. It's, I think uh, for me, it's a very very practical experience because where I'm working now, we have a few people who are religious, mm. and science and religion can coexist. I don't think it's a matter of which one goes above the other, and uh, it just comes to what kind of information you have. You don't need to be told that if someone coughs at you, whether you've <laughs> prayed five times or not, that you're gonna get something. You know. So whether you contract the disease or not is, is going to be, okay, fine. You have a faith that you believe in, but I believe even in the faiths that you have, you told, for instance, in, in Christianity, not to test your God and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So it comes down to how you use the information you have in your mind about these religions. Mm -hmm. Something scientific is something that's very, if you have an accident now, it doesn't matter what happened. Like if it's a very gruesome thing, we drop you from 3,000 feet, you're going to die, die. You don't have to have a religion to say that you live through that. It's, it's mm. just something that you can believe. And I think it brings the question of rational action versus rational thought. Mm. So there's something that you need and something that you want. You need to believe in, in, in a God or rather you want to believe in a God. But then in other cases where you think your religion is guiding you in the, something that might be a bit detrimental to your health, in this case, for instance, the people who are told you go to church, even though there's COVID, even though you want to praise your God, you know, it's a rational thought that you shouldn't be in a place that's very, like, you know, packed with people. So then that brings confusion. And whatever wins in that, in that case, it's entirely up to you and the people around you, you know.
Yeah, yeah. And, and, and one, one example or one kind of thought I used to uh, like try to portray or bring out in situations like this is that, you know, there isn't a, people like to look for a one-size-fits-all approach, right? So, you know, maybe in the case of um, don't test your God or like, you know, some people facing something and nothing happening to them, you, people then take that and use that as the norm, right? And there are some things that happen, say, in scripture, if you hold true to that, that were exceptions, right? There were specific instructions to specific people in specific situations. But sometimes we read stories like that and then take that as, you know, this is the universal law, right? And so maybe when it comes to COVID, um, you know, I'm not going to drink anything because my Bible says this, right? There were certain times when, you know, laws would be passed and they'll be like, you can't pray here or you're supposed to do this. Now, there are some people that, you know, defy the laws and were saved. And there were other people that they were asked to pretend and be a part of whatever it is that was going on, even though their hearts were facing in other directions. So it's like, we, because of this single events that we try and take and use them as, oh shit, this is the norm or this is the rule of law now, is where we get all the situations where people get very brainwashed by certain things. So at the end of the day, it comes down into not like, as a, as a human being, as a logical thinking person, right? You know, how are you forming your thoughts? Who are you yielding to in the end? Like when you hear something, when you hear information, how are you processing that? Through what systems are you processing that? And are you using the right, you know, thoughts and processes to do that? I think that's what the issue is a lot of times when it comes to all of these things. Um, and like I said, religion is always an easy target in this case. I think regarding the idea of, uh, you know, Science and religion in opposition. Um, yeah, I'm glad you said that. I don't think they're in opposition. I think they're naming different things, right? They're speaking to different things. Um, when when we ask a question about a man being stuck on an island, what what would he feel when he sees a uh, an, an eagle trying to take a, an innocent hen's eggs, right? He feels sympathy, compassion. Mm -hmm. Those values, I think they are built in. And I don't know how science can explain that, right? I don't know how science yeah. can explain that. I also think that we put a lot of um, strain on science. We forget <laughs> that it's also something that is evolving. Like the science exactly. they had in 1980s is, is different from what we have now. Exactly. Yeah. And there are many things that science will not be able to explain. That doesn't necessarily mean that they're not scientific. It's just exactly. that we don't have the tools to Absolutely, it. absolutely. Because as you can probably, as anyone can tell, like even even going to the moon, even like going to the moon and landing back on, on Earth in SpaceX, that's something that we could not do. That was unfathomable many years ago, right? So science is a function of even us, our ability to keep evolving with knowledge, right? Mm. But I think what's interesting for me is this idea of suffering, Right, pain, suffering, whatever you want to put it. I've always come on here and said life is suffering, and the idea of life is to find something worth suffering for. I think that's not my mantra. I, I took that from one of the authors that I read. I'm not sure which book it was, but one of the books here. Anyway, and I think one thing that the religion does for us very usefully is making sense of suffering. Right, because I don't think I think without religion and 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 this is probably this is probably a weird thing to say, but there's been times when I I grew up I grew up like I was growing up and then I always just wondered you know I go to church 
every day I come back and that's just it, right? And nothing really happens. But I've just always known that for me, it makes more sense than it doesn't make sense for for religion to exist. Let me not use religion. For God to exist in the way God exists. Now you can define God in different things, right? I define God as 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 God, as Christians believe in God, but also beyond that, also as 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 an ideal. I say, I say this because when you are suffering, right? Imagine imagine we had nothing to to, and maybe maybe this links to why poor, poorer countries are more religious. Possibly, I don't know. I've not read about this, but if you're suffering in life, like if things are hard as as hell. You, you need to find a reason why that's the case. Particularly when you can see that not, not everybody's feeling that way. Like, like you, need to, you, need to, you need to see something like that shows you that there's a reason, purpose for this. Because life is an adventure, right? Like, you mentioned how people can just get born into sickness. I can just get born into a wealthy family in Singapore and it's just some random element into it. But regardless of where you're born, you have to find your way. It's an adventure, right? And I think that idea of adventure is part of every story we've encountered, either in religious, artistic, or scientific um, literatures, right? Even, even movies, you know, whether it's Batman, Iron Man, these are stories of, of adventure. Abraham was, was on an adventure to, to find, you know, the land that is, that is going to rule. My point is, that adventure, there has to be suffering in there because nothing of value comes without suffering. But there's also an, an, an unfairness in the system of the adventure, right? Which is why, as you said, some people might be born into terrible things and some not. But I just think, if you look at the way science and religion works, right? Science can help us with the suffering in a way, in a way, right, to an extent. But I think what religion does, does is the parts of us that science can touch, the interior particularly, you know, we spoke about compassion. Where does that come from? We spoke about disgust. Where, where does that come from? Disgust is a, disgust is a very interesting feeling because to, to be disgusted at something is a very unique human um, dogs, dogs, dogs can't feel disgust, you know. Well, disgust is a very know. what? We don't know. <laughs> like, I mean, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, <laughs> a good, that's a good uh, caveat. We don't know that. We don't know yeah. that. We don't know that. Yeah. Yeah. We don't know that. But I just think that it makes more sense. And for for your friends who ask you, Toby, if I'm a Christian, right? I get why they ask because it makes sense. The way I speak sometimes it doesn't doesn't always suggest. Uh, the uh, the Christian vibe, right? And that's because I don't I don't lie to myself, right? I don't lie to myself. I think I'm. I've thought about the times where I've thought about you know I've thought about God many times. Like, is there a God? Does it God? Why does it happen? I've thought about it, but every time I think about it, it, it makes more sense that there is one than than than, than it doesn't, hmm. right? Because a simple question I just ask myself, like, how are values built in? You know, where, where did you discover moral systems from? Right. Yeah. When I wrote about Life of Pi, this, this is a very good example. 
So, Life of Pi, this one is spoiler. If you haven't seen it, that, 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 that's your bloody business. I'm going to spoil it. <laughs> oh so, God. have you guys seen the movie, by the way? Yeah, I've yes. seen the movie. Life of Pi, yeah. So, for those who haven't seen it, it's, it's a young boy who gets trapped on a boat in the Pacific Ocean with a tiger who he befriends. But in the befriending of the tiger, technically, by keeping the tiger alive, the tiger is also keeping him alive in a very weird relationship. But anyway, him and the tiger go through an, an adventure in the ocean till they find land until somebody rescues them for about 200 days. Right? So, Pi and this tiger go on the ocean for 200 days. It's a very, very crazy story. And, you know, they found a magical island. There's so many things happened. Flying fish, so many things happened in that story. Right? Very, very crazy, crazy story. But here's the kick I'm going at. When I watched that movie for the first time, right, up until the end, when the older Pi was telling the story to, to, to an author, right, so, so, so Pi was recounting the story of Iman and Tiger, right? So when Pi got to the hospital, right, after he was found and rescued, he was being interviewed by some Japanese um, insurance investigators because they wanted to know how the ship crashed and, and he was the one on board. And Pi told them the story, right? He said, this is what happened to me, you know, um, the orangutan ate, sorry, the, the orangutan was, uh, was ate by the hyena at first. Then the hyena was killed by the tiger. All, 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 these, all these kind of things that happened. And then it was me and the tiger on, on the boat for 200 days. And they were like, what the hell are you talking about? Right? That can't be true. You know, this, nobody's going to buy this. this. This is going to court. Can you give us a, a, a better story? One that's more believable. And that's what they used. And then, he was surprised, like, Pi was surprised, like, why won't you believe me? Like, I just went through this ordeal and, you know, I went on a boat with a tiger about 200 days and, and, and all these things happened to me and you're telling me you don't believe my story. But anyway, he had to give them a, a, a fake story that they could write home. And in the fake story, all he did was replace the animals with people that he met on the boats. So his mom, the cook, um, the sailor and someone else, right? And they believed that. Now, it was, it was until that point, it was until that point that I mentioned the, the fake story that I, the audience, began to doubt whether his real story was real. Right? Because up until I saw it, I was like, wow, this boy endured a lot. Right? This is an incredible story. But when he said an alternative story that seemed more rational, more logical, more scientific. I can't say, I'm going to say, okay, hang on a minute. Like, is this the real story? Was he just traumatized and he made that story up? Like, how, how is that possible? And my point there is I realized that the idea of believing something that is, is very, very, that has loopholes, gaps, right? That is, that was innate to my, my, my body. Like, that was, that was inside me. Because logically, that's why it doesn't make sense. If you've seen Life of Pi, it doesn't make sense, the story, right? But I didn't think it did not make sense until somebody else showed me one that I should have believed by default. I think that's, that's the point that, this might be a long rant on Life of Pi, but I think that's the point that made me realize that I think there's something within us that makes us understand that there's more to us than where we're from. Because why would, it, why, why would I believe something that is so supernatural and impossible, a, mi a miracle, 
you know, and then until I'm thrown with the facts, not facts, sorry, logical story that is believable. I then begin to question or realize that that story was that, uh, what? So, uh, I don't know what the word to use. Mm. Do you guys get where I'm coming from? Yeah. Because you're awfully silent. Not necessarily supporting your statements, but yeah. Get. All right. Um, as we just uh, round up, just let me ask you, um, Sydney. So what are some things that you don't like about, or some things that you don't like or you, that bothers you, makes you cringe about religion? religion. No, no, about believers. Well, that's a very general statement. I think it depends on what the believers believe <laughs> in this case. But um, if I understand you correctly, it's it's the like idea myself. of okay. Um, well, depending on who you, I think we've been good friends, and you're a believer, so <laughs> I, I I don't know what to say about that. But if it's the idea behind the belief systems that people subscribe to, I might have something, for instance, particularly against um the idea of Christianity and not the Christians themselves. Right. And that's just something to say home. Like, for instance, I might have something against um Islam or Hinduism. It doesn't mean that I'll help someone who's a Hindu or, you know, a Muslim. And it's because most of the religions that I believe they make the human the center of everything. It's kind of like very egocentric. And you could see from the word, for instance, when Toby mentioned how if you kill an animal, it's okay. And, and you know, um, we have people that are fighting for like animal rights now and everything. It's just yeah. that the human has been seen as the apex of everything. Mm. Uh, and they can do what they want to the environment without having to think twice whether it's a moral thing or not, you know. Whether you kill a chicken or is you that, don't. So is that a religious push? I think the the human is put above most of the things, especially in religion. Like it's humans first, and then everything else was meant for the humans. Isn't yeah. isn't there I, some I don't know truth if, to that? Um, some. not really, because if you if you think of it, humans came way after other things already already existed, like. What if that was deliberate? Human beings are not the epitome. You know, human beings came, they're not the last thing to come on earth and they're not the first thing to come on earth. They are merely passers-by. And if human beings were to die in this earth, it wouldn't, the earth wouldn't explode or be destroyed. Actually, it would be saved in this case if we talk about um, in climate change and everything. And, and that's just my perspective, that human beings look at themselves as if they're very special and that everything should revolve around human beings. And that's why in all our religions, it's God is, um, you know, superior being, and we are made in his likeness, and that's how it should be. You know, according to all religions, they, they'll tell you that. And that's one thing about me that I'm feeling, um, if you have to be very rational, I'm not saying that dogs mm -hmm. are at the same level as human beings, but yeah, how you decide you. who's who's worthy, as compared to the other, like I, I don't think it's something that is written in stone. So when yeah. when you struggle, and you struggle with things beyond your means, what is your process of uh, meaning making? How how do you how do you how do you guide yourself through that as as somebody who is um, agnostic? It's it's really interesting that you mentioned that because I think religion offers a very good caution for people who are depressed and. If anything, if you're suffering, it's nice to feel that there's someone in control. You know, you always think that God has my back. 
And that's a very good thing to go back to. Whether it's true or not, I don't think it matters in this case. It's more of the psychological effect as on you. It's, it's the same way as when young children think of their parents as the strongest person. You know, you get a three-year-old and they tell you, my father is the strongest. I'll, I'll go tell my father if he beat me. You know, that kind of false protection that you get. Religion offers that quite significantly. So whether a God exists or not, very many people would suffer and happily go to church and praise God and say, um, thank you for this and um, please give me the strength to go through it. And since they believe in it that much, it works for them. Being an agnostic atheist, it's, it's very different because I can't go and say I'm going to church to believe in a God again. It's just like, well, what the shit is happening? What exactly am I supposed to do with this? You know, and it might be a bit difficult and different, especially if you don't believe that there's this cushion. So now we are meant to believe in, you know, have our friends, you can go to a psychologist, you know, that's where we can go to. And it comes down to yourself, I think, in this case. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I, I think I'll just say two points or two thoughts as as we wrap this up. With regards to the thought, uh, the thing I said about, you know, humans killing animals and it's okay. Um, I get the point where there's groups of people that, you know, speak against and fight for animal rights. But, you know, do they fight for animal rights? I'm just wondering, like, in, in the jungle, in the Amazon and things like that, when predators, you know, you know, catch prey and eat prey, like, you know, are we so are we as humans supposed to step into that sort of like ecosystem and also advocate for the rights of certain things? Now, I'm not saying we should go around killing everything because there is balance, right? You're, like, killing a dog to eat a dog in certain places is like, is not as is is morally sanctioned than if you kill the chicken, right? So there's different levels based on different associations that we've done. But I'm just saying that this whole thing of like like there's certain rules that we apply to ourselves as human beings that we don't necessarily apply to animals. Maybe that goes back to your point of we centering ourselves in this thing. And then the point of, you know, we come in in the middle of stuff and stuff coming after us. Um I wouldn't necessarily say that we're completely sure that like stuff has come after us. We might discover it after, like in the course of our existence, right? But I don't know. I, I guess there are different arguments for that. But all that to say, I think, you know, going back to Wally's point, referencing Pi, if we leave it in, is the fact that maybe there's this, I believe there's a gaping hole or there's a, there, there's a there's this sort of like vacuum inside of us as sort of like human beings and um, some call it seeking meaning, some call it seeking something else and people try to fill it up with different things. And like you said, um, it's actually tough sometimes to say you're, because some people think it's easy to say, I don't believe in God and things like that. But I think sometimes like, you know, it, it is a very mentally tasking process for you to identify with that kind of belief because like you said something bad happens and you know a christian or someone that believes you know goes to church or whatever and you know the psychological effect as you put it you know kicks in but for the agnostic like that could easily put you in a depressive state because you're like you know everything depends on me in that sense so um final answers are are still maybe a bit vague to different people depending on how you're looking at it at the moment but um yeah, I don't know the point I was trying to make, but I just was trying to offer comments on some of the things you said. Final question for Sydney, or possibly a final yeah. question. Do you think you would ever shift in the future? Or do, you, or do you think anything, if you do shift, what do you think might make you shift if that happens? That's really, really irrefutable evidence in this case. I'm not really good so to be evi- either. Evidence, and sorry, a- I'm sorry, I'm just trying to clarify. So evidence yeah. externally, uh, evidence that you experientially go through. I wouldn't say experiential. It has to be 
be something very empirical. I've had the one's experiential evidence when I was growing up and I used to believe in that. And it's very easy to say I've prayed and something has happened. A very interesting um, analogy would be the carton of milk. Um, it's it's one of the very famous stories that if you've heard of it before, rather you can Google it because I'll, I think if I go into detail, then it would be like eating <laughs> into the time, yeah? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's called the carton of milk and you pray to it and whether the milk answers the prayer or not. So you say, I'm praying to the carton of milk if I wake up tomorrow. And then if you wake up tomorrow, you'll say, fine, the carton of milk has answered my prayer. So it's kind of that, like, these evidences that you get because of how you feel or stuff like that, I don't think for me it's things that I'd like to rely on. Yeah. You know, I'd want something more empirical. If it's COVID, there's a test for it. You can check, check everything. Yeah. So Sorry. just yeah. with that, yeah, yeah. are there any things that, that, that you feel or experience that empiric, em, science empirical evidence cannot provide for? Do you then ignore them if you experience them or how do you account for that? So, for example, I know this is a very odd example to give, given yeah. my stance, but we, we do hear miraculous stories, right? Yes. Like genu- genuinely miraculous stories that I just feel it's, there's no explanation for this. Right? Good, you. Yeah. So, like, in that case, like, do you, do you just discount that as, okay, that's not real? Or how, how do you... Um, well, I like stories for sure. And when I hear miraculous stories, I take them as stories, not as facts. So it would be interesting to hear how someone found something miraculous. It's, it's very interesting that I've never experienced anything. Like all the miracles happen. It's someone I didn't know before being cured of a disease that I'm not sure if they were diagnosed or not. But you never see someone who's an amputee growing a limb because they've been prayed for. You know, things like that, that you say, okay, fine. If you're going to show me a miracle, don't bring someone that I know, for instance, take me through the process and then show me the healing process of the prayer. And maybe it's me looking at it from a scientific point of view, which is not also maybe um, that it's bound to fade in that particular sense. But for instance, I think like an amputee, if you've lost your arm yeah. and someone prays for you and it grows back, I mean, I can't argue against that. Anyway, you know? Mm. Mm. Yeah. And you, you mentioned that, sorry, um, maybe mm-hmm. just one more statement. You say science, you mentioned something about emotion and disgust initially, and you say science can't get to what's within. I think that we are making very good strides, for instance, how people realize that dopamine is the happy, happy hormone. And once you have dopamine, the reward system of the brain, you can tell that someone's happy. Mm-hmm. So science is slowly getting there, and it's an evolution that we won't have many answers now, but I think that's the difference between science and religion, that it knows that it doesn't have the answers and it's bold enough to say, fine, um, we don't have the answers. So my yeah. counter to that argument about dopamine and... Toby, Toby, sorry, sorry, sorry. I'll let you yeah, go. Yeah. Yeah, we'll finish. What, what I will say is, I think you can make a robot happy and, and get an- angry, but you can't make a robot genuinely, genuinely feel compassion. Yes. Mm, well, yeah. let's find out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, 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 but I, I think the other thing I wanted to mention was, and I've forgotten the first point, I blame you, Wally, but the second uh-huh. one is, is about sort of like this, this, this science conversation and, you know, seeking answers and things like that. Um, you know, sometimes when we look at scientific laws, um, I don't know how much you know about the theory of everything, like trying to find a theory for everything, right? You know, yeah. some of the things 
Einstein's sort of like law of relativity and all of these laws, you know, they usually, they don't account for everything, right? They have to, because they, the equations only work when you ignore certain things that scientists don't yet understand. And that's why this journey is for finding a theory of everything where all the laws and things that we have operate in this world because all the laws that we have, they, they function in ideal worlds when some things are not taken into account, right? And so for me, when I think about science, I think, and the things that science discovers, like, I, okay, I remember what I was going to say, Wally, is the thing about, you know, people try to say, okay, the things that cannot be explained are evidence for the existence of a God and a designer. I don't necessarily, like, subscribe to that. I think that, you know, there was a purposeful design for everything and there's a reason for everything. But like, you know, you said at some point, sitting that we might not have the tools to really find the meaning or the reason for certain things. Now, where the point of difference comes is when those things are eventually, when there's a reason given for it, I don't yeah. see it as, as a reason not to believe that it was originally designed by someone or there's a, there's a higher power that is responsible for it, it just because we can explain it. Right. Yeah, right. just because right. you can explain how a baby is formed in a mother's womb doesn't mean it's not a miraculous process. Like, let's think about that for a second. Just because you plant a seed and you understand that what's going on to get, cause the seed to grow doesn't mean the fact that that process is happening is a miraculous process. So that's kind of like how I approach science where I can balance my belief in science and my faith in God as well. Yeah. But let's not, let's not drag this on. Let's not drag this on. No, no, okay, okay. I'll yeah, give you final yeah. comments, bro. You can have it. Okay, yeah, I mean, yeah. you mentioned something very important. And I'm not saying that when you explain something, then there is a need to say there's no God. But mm -hmm. then at the same mm -hmm. time, explaining it means like you don't have to believe in a God for this to be something that's happening. Mm -hmm. It can go either ways. Like, well, a child is born, a child is born. Whether mm -hmm. it's um, you believe it's a God who created it or not, we know how the process goes. So whether yeah. you want to subscribe to the belief or not, it's not shouldn't be because it's something that you've not experienced before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. which is essentially the point we're making, where science fails to attribute meaning to things. Science can explain why it happens, but I think this question of meaning, the question of why, right? Like, the why, like, science answers why up to a, a certain degree, and then it doesn't really have any reason to answer why. <clears throat> but we have science doesn't show the point of the of the adventure exactly the exploration. yeah it just says this is the adventure and these are the things that happen within that adventure so which, hope, which is not a bad thing yeah it's not exactly i'm not saying it's a bad thing but yeah. it's just the tools that we have and this is how far the tool can can take us maybe we get to some point when it does explain more or we get to some level of science that like science before used to be very physical science like the body biology and things like that now we have astrophysics and things like that so evolution is happening even within science as well like you said so um maybe we'll get to i do believe we'll get to a point where everything converges um some of us have just believed earlier on and maybe that gap is accounted for later on with other people is what i like to believe Mm, mm. maybe it won't converge we should have that open mind maybe like, it won't maybe it won't yeah yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe it won't converge and you yeah. know that gap will always exist so we'll see we'll see but yeah, yeah. Um, this was this was fun obviously I, I like the fact that we can bring conversations like this and um, just come at it from different angles these are conversations that I like to listen back to um, as well but yeah Sydney pleasure to meet you thanks for for really coming on Wally take us home yeah as Toby just said Sydney thanks mate um Sweden looks like like treating you very very well. Uh, <laughs> I see your Insta with the Sweden ladies as well. Um, I'm oh enjoying that. I'm enjoying that as a fan. Um, but yeah, honestly, on jokes aside, thanks for coming. I think I was, I was very very happy to have you on board because I know we've spoken about this. I've spoken to you in person. I know you're a very brilliant guy. 
before you go, did you want to tell everybody, you know, what you do, where you're from, what you do, and just you uh, know, your interests and, and your socials as well? Interesting. Yeah, well, actually, I'm really glad that you've had me on this one. Like, um, I was really excited when you told me about this. And I think I'm the one who suggested, like, podcasts, because initially you had to do it as an Instagram guy. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, well, I need to be able to listen to myself later and just, you know, <laughs> go back to the conversation. And it's something yeah. that we can always build up upon, you know. Mm-hmm. So I'm really glad that you gave me the chance to be part of, of this amazing yellow pill um, podcast. And I hope yeah. that you guys are going to watch the new Matrix as well. But yeah, yeah, um, so basically I'm doing my PhD now in Sweden, six months in. I'm doing a lot of things under Marie Curie project that's called um, Colotan, which is basically making drugs that efficiently target the colotan system. I mean, the colon system. Hmm. So it's kind of to make them more efficient. It can be colorectal cancer, IBD, different syndromes. Yeah, and it's going to be a nice and interesting PhD, mainly in organic chemistry, but I'm doing analytical chemistry, chemical biology, all those things. My socials are Cartoon Addict at Instagram, and and that's just about it, I suppose. My tweet, I don't even remember what I use. (laughs) (laughs) You and me alike, bro. You and me alike. But yeah, thank you so much, bro. It's been a pleasure. It's been a great chat. It's been great to see you as well. And what a great first guest to have on, on our new season as well. So thanks so much Sydney and yeah. Yeah, we'll see you all next week alright cheers bye cheers hey there everybody thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Yellow Pill Podcast if you liked our show please support us by giving us a 5 star rating and review and also be sure to share with your friends siblings colleagues and anyone you think might enjoy the episode another way to support us is by subscribing to us on Apple Podcasts Spotify Google Podcasts or wherever you're listening right now we release new episodes every monday but don't forget to follow us at the yellow pill pod on instagram to stay in touch with us during the week that's at the yellow pill pod on instagram once again thank you for taking the yellow pill with us today i'm your co-host wally and right next to me is toby and we wish you the very best in the coming week till next time peace and love people peace and love